I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, guess what? I'm so excited because this episode of Adulting is brought to you by Time of the Month Organic. They're the guys that sent me my menstrual cup. If you follow me on Instagram, I'm sure you'll know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you can find them at at TOTM Organic on Instagram. And basically they sell eco-friendly, vegan, cruelty-free, organic cotton tampons. I know that sounds like my really long order at Starbucks. And they sell reusable menstrual cups. If you follow me on Instagram, you will know that I am completely converted and love it. Anyway, I'm going to talk a little bit more later on in the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the episode and thanks again to Time of the Month. Hi guys, welcome back to Adulting. This is the podcast where I try to discuss all the things that you think you're supposed to know and then it turns out that actually no one's really told us what we're supposed to be doing. And today I'm joined by a very special guest. I have Charlie Cox with me. Hello. So Charlie is a poet and she's just released her first book called She Must Be Mad and the poetry is amazing. If you follow me on Instagram you'll see that I was very much drinking in all of her poetry that was very poetic of you (laughs) thank you (laughs) drinking it in drink it up yeah it's just amazing she's amazing I kind of knew we were going to get on very well before she even arrived and we have been talking now for like an hour and a half without the mic (gasps) which is good actually maybe longer than that um but we just thought basically we want to get stuck into a conversation surrounding body image sex growing up and learning about your body as a woman because yeah their themes covered quite a lot in your poetry, right? So much more so than I anticipated when I started writing the book. I don't think until I really started going back on old diaries and like resurfacing old work did I realise how much of a negative, awful relationship I had with my mm. body and how that seeped into so many different areas of my life, which I didn't realise were being ruled by my like lack of self-worth. Should we actually? I've just realised we should probably go backwards a bit. So, do you yes. want to do you want to explain a little bit about how your poetry came to be, who you are? Yeah. Hi, my <laughs> name's Charlie. Uh, it's like, can we do like a blind date? Yeah, I love that. That's exactly. <laughs> be what my cellar black. <laughs> um, I started writing poetry, I guess, when I was about twelve, and it was very much a secret, mortified, embarrassed hobby that I had. Nobody knew about it. It was, you know, kept in diaries, locked away. And then I guess at the time they were more about boys and like early heartbreak and, you know, someone called Tim that I fancied in the year below me or, you know, silly things. And then as I got older, it became such a form of therapy and a real crutch that I relied on that as soon as I felt something that was too much or too heavy that I just couldn't understand like the injustice of feeling pain or where it was coming from the only way I could untangle it from it's a mesh state was to turn it into something physical so by writing the poems I was I guess trying to work out my own problems and you know the most bourgeois puzzle solving riddle yeah I love that but they're so beautifully written when you were younger were you writing like 
little rhyming poems and then it suddenly evolved into being actually really credible literature how did that come about yeah, I I love words. I'm yeah. su- I'm such a geek and I had again I had such a problem with the fact that I was such a geek when I was younger and now I love it. Oh, it's the coolest thing. I love I'm so glad that it's back in trend to be <laughs> smart. <laughs> um really having a good moment at yeah, the moment. This is our time. Um I love that I've involved myself in that. But yeah. yeah, no, please do. Come in. <laughs> uh I I've just always loved language and words and working out, you know, there's nothing more satisfying to me now. I mean, I really get off on finding a clever rhyme Mm. or realizing two words that don't look like I just love it so I I don't know I guess I guess I spent a lot of time just so involved in it that it gradually became a bit better I started reading poetry a lot more um I've been writing poetry for years and then suddenly realized that I'd never actually read any (laughs) yeah well this is what's so amazing because in of itself even take away the context or the subject matter poetry for you as a young woman you're 22 to be writing poetry and for it to be so effective is incredible because I studied English at uni so obviously we studied poetry and I understand that works and the nuance of the way of the language and putting words in different places but most people in day-to-day life aren't sat down reading poetry yeah, so you're bringing that back into the zeitgeist, which, before we even you. get onto the topic, is amazing. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> Thanks. I go and post and show now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it's hard because, you know, I feel as though it's one of the last few art forms that are, is so over-intellectualised. Yeah. And, it, you know, academics and older poets are terrified of this idea that younger people are starting to get back into poetry and you know, the form isn't perfect or I don't quite understand you know how it should arc or where this makes sense or you know I don't follow a set of rules and there are a lot of people that that really pisses off that's so funny though because it's art and isn't one of the points of art being that there is no rules well you would I mean you'd like yeah. to think so wouldn't you but it's it's the lot I feel like it's one of the last things that we're now starting to touch and forgive me, millennialize. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the term Instapoet has come from. You know, it's not about praising someone for the platform they put it on. It's about degrading the quality yeah. of content because it so happens to be shared on, on Instagram. Online, yeah. Which frustrates me so much. You don't call, like, you would never say Tennyson was a book poet. No. I know. It's, it, it's, just, it's just that changing of era and it's that uncomfortability that people feel when we are repossessing things and changing them but that's got to happen and ultimately it's so exciting it's so so exciting that you can talk about and a lot of poetry online now coming from younger women is about expressing pain and confusion and loss or you know mental health issues or a whole wide variety of things I don't think ordinarily you can be so candid to talk about but with using poetry as a vessel for that I'm hoping that it's sort of like making more enlightening conversations. Yeah, it's interesting though, because I think the other place where you do find these darker, more candid conversations is usually in rap music, which is poetry in itself, isn't it? So it's funny that those forms seem to be a place where something wrapped up so beautifully often contain kind of the the darkest, most difficult things to talk about. Yeah, because it's so hard to be concise. Mm. I mean, I feel like we're going to learn that really quickly. (laughs) It's so difficult to be concise. And it's so difficult to give yourself the time to really come to an end point of something. But where, you know, where poetry is so powerful is that it can very much be a piece of learning that you've made tangible and then you can sort of push out and it's no longer yours. And just to touch on briefly, so obviously you suffer from a mental illness. Can I say suffer? Is that rude? 
I mean, I'd say I suffer, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Just don't want to say anything that's, like, untoward. Yeah, personally, I don't think it's rude. Okay, cool. So you have bipolar? Yep. Bipolar 2 disorder. Um, I was diagnosed when I was 17. Okay. And so then, like, that probably, that conciseness and that idea as well of being able to put something which is, as we'll we'll talk about, so unfathomable and not understood into a form that you can kind of create... Yeah, and like reclaim and yeah. own, and you know, I think I've, I don't know if other people feel this way, but I very much felt that as soon as I was given a name for what I was feeling, I really hoped that that would change everything mm. for me. I thought, ah, if I can put a label on that, then that makes sense, and all of my behaviour is excused, and all of my pain is excused, and it's justified, and it makes sense. And the reality is, is nothing changes. Yeah, you know, you're very much still in the thick of it, um, and with writing it out and putting it into a bubble it that became my bit of gross pain or anxiety that I could put a ribbon on place in front of me and go oh it is a real thing yeah that is a feeling and now I'm going to push it away so I just I don't have to think about that bit for so much longer not so affected by it but it's an amazing thing to share because I guess when you first would when you were first diagnosed were you scared or were you pleased or were you terrified absolutely terrified which is bizarre because I always had a feeling that that would be the end result I had a feeling that they would probably say it was bipolar I'd done a hell of a lot of personal research into Mm. where all these like weird fluxes were coming from and I I thought that would be my saving grace as soon as I'd been diagnosed like oh good I get it but I was terrified I was Mm. my family I was most worried about the fact that people wouldn't believe me which is really yeah. odd, particularly now, I think. Of, I mean, if you know me, you, you probably guess it. Yeah. Um, or that people would think it was dirty or that maybe I was really weird or, you know, again, I'd spent my life and where the title comes from sort of being battered off with like, oh, she just, she's so mad, she must be mad. And I'm like, that's horrible. Like, what does that mean? Like, and, you know, doctors, because they're so limited with professional rhetoric now because I don't really understand it would use a very similar terminology and now being in a place where talking about it is reclaiming it yeah I love that and it feels good like there's something that feels I've met so many fascinating people on this journey of being really open like wow so many more people than I knew are going through it so many more like successful people have overcome or like are still battling through it and that is that is so much more not exciting is the wrong word I think freeing and liberating yeah now being in a place where you know 17 year old Charlie was in bits I remember sitting at a pub with my best friend and confessed to him like confessed that I'd been diagnosed with something um I think I'll never be able to talk about this. This is so shameful. It's so embarrassing. And the reality is, is it's not shameful and it's not embarrassing. And it, sorry. And it is that idea that it's not, it's not a stigma and other people are going through it. And it's just, it's really strange to think that we are in a place where even now it's still not normalized. People still, some people can't get over the fact that people are walking around with mental illnesses and they are still just as human or just as worthy or just as anything else anyone else it's it's really funny and what I've come to learn so much particularly now we're in a time where people are really pushing and advocating for mental health awareness is that there are socially acceptable forms of mental illness or Mm. bad mental health you know talking about depression anxiety sadly is 
I, f- I fear to say on trend, but it is. It's it's becoming. We we had a little discussion about this earlier. I I again don't feel like I necessarily have that much credence to discuss it because I don't have a mental illness, but I do have mental health where I have dips, and I can understand. To, to my own extent certain things exactly and there, there are so many worrying statistics now about young people and you know if you were to ask somebody under the age of 25 if they had um mental health issues they are more likely to say yes than they are to say no and so much of that comes from such a lack of understanding of our brains and like personal self-awareness not really understanding you know what is depression and what is a really shit awful period in yeah. your life and what is anxiety and feeling anxious and sort of detaching those because you know we're, we're all human we all yeah. have ups and downs and lows and good points and terrible moments but at what point are those mental illnesses and depression and anxiety whilst are awful and difficult topics to discuss are more socially acceptable yeah whereas talking about I was even still when I say like I've got bipolar that that's quite shocking yeah or people talking about schizophrenia or they're very real important terrifying things that so many people are suffering with that we're still struggling to break through with because there's so there's so much focus on the ones that are more socially acceptable yeah it's really and it's difficult to broach the subject because you can't ever I never ever would want to say that no one's got validity in anything this is the other thing you never know you can't tell if someone's got depression you can't tell if someone's got anxiety but I feel like with it being about spoken about so much, there's a bit of conflation, as you say, between like... Yeah, what is... I read a really brilliant quote the other day, which was, and I wholly feel towards it, is I have a mental illness, but sometimes I have really good mental health. Yeah. And that makes so much sense to me. You know, we all have mental health and we all have to look after our mental health and everyone and anyone is justified in whatever pain or struggle they have with that. But what's worrying and it really frightens me that we we will start to get to a place where we confuse mental illness and poor mental health yes and they're both as important as each other but it's so important to keep them separate and I think what's important as well is that you're not defined I think I think it used to be a place where I think it's getting better but I think the thing with bipolar and schizophrenia and all those other mental illnesses which are less spoken about is people define people by that they're like oh she's bipolar yeah Exactly, it is. Rather than it being like a, a part of a, something that affects you day to day, just like you might have alopecia or you might have vitiligo, you might have some kind of physical um, kind of illness, but you're still you. You have a mental illness that affects you, but you're still Charlie at the end of the day. Exactly. It's, there's uh, always been a really similar argument with like autism. Like, do you say, you know, you don't say he's autistic, he is someone that has, has autism. autism. Um, and again, like that's a rhetoric that we're all starting to relearn, which is amazing that we've all got to a point yeah. where we are really keen to make sure we're getting that right. I need to call myself out, actually, because on my last podcast that I did with Henry Fraser, he has a disability. He's not a disabled person. And I think I said something like disabled people, but it shouldn't be that. It should be like people with a disability. It's putting the person first. And it's so fine to remember that we're all learning you know none of us we've spent so long in a society you know much before we were even born which affects us now of a a language that we think is right or what we know or how we've been taught and getting it wrong is also a good thing you know making that mistake or realizing that that's not the right way to talk about something is a positive because you're realizing that it was wrong definitely none of us are perfect none of us are going to suddenly 
really get you know a movement or why it's so important to talk about things but I think we should all be a lot kinder on ourselves yeah for sure so I think what we really wanted to talk about or what I would quite like to talk to you about because I think what I really found resonated with me it's lots of things actually that I haven't spoken about out loud or even thought to myself and I was saying to Charlie that when I was reading some of the poetry it kind of made me regress and remember some of the ways that I looked at myself and my body and my worth when I was younger which is really quite dark and I think more girls, especially women, you can't generalise, but I think as especially as a young girl, these thoughts and feelings that we have about our own body image and our worth and like sex and all that stuff is just, it's like, it's almost like a rite of passage. We all go through yeah. this self-loathing, misunderstanding, and then you come out and at some point in womanhood, hopefully it suddenly clicks that actually... I have autonomy of my body but I think it happens at a very different stage for everyone yeah and you know some people might not even go through it but I think I think everyone does even in a in a slight way yeah even even if it's in the most minute tiny nuance of having you know a hang-up or an insecurity yeah we're having a really interesting discussion about this idea of do you you know with your body like with body image or with understanding yourself is that something that comes with maturity is that part of growing up or is that a conscious choice or decision or you know is that because of x amount of different things you've employed to get there and I feel very much and particularly writing the book and putting it all together it it did feel like a rite of passage if you know I'm 22 so I'm by no means a woman yet (laughs) as Brittany would contest that was one of my I did love that <laughs> as what do you say as our as our lord saviour yeah. Brittany Spears says I'm not a girl not yet a woman and my god do I feel that um but I do there's such a significant difference in having grown like really feeling like I've grown up that little bit more and with that has come sense of self and yeah. body confidence and I'm you know I'm still not 100% there but I'm definitely 40% further than I was two years ago. Yeah. Oh, 100%, me too. We were talking about how... Do you, it's funny, actually, because I've started calling myself a woman actively. I used to always refer to myself as a girl. That's so interesting. And then I, one day was like, actually, I'm a woman now, and I feel like I'm a woman now. But that's only... There's no, like, age for it. I think I just made something in me, just decided that I was a woman. And it was also reading a bit more feminist rhetoric and, like, the idea of, like, girl being quite sexualizing mm-hmm. and, like, how it can be quite damaging... And that just suddenly made me want to be a woman. But I also think one of the reasons why we assimilate ourselves as girls is this this fear of ageing. It's this fear Mm. of, like, us being less wanted or desirable if we're a woman. Whereas when you're a girl, you're young and you're sexy and you're fresh. And there's something... Yeah, there's only only lovely words that can be prefixed on girl. You know, she's such a sweet girl. She's such a lovely girl. She's such a pretty girl. You know, woman is... is yeah. very different it is so it's different. very very it's different. got it's a lot of a colder i don't know the connotations towards it are yeah and even just the sound of the word as well yeah womb man <laughs> <laughs> but still not an adult no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but one of the things i think i wanted to talk about that i really picked up on was there's in a few of the poems you kind of talk about the way that your body especially when you're entering into a sexual relationship with a man you just felt that it was kind of like there was you, there was your body, and then there was him. Yeah, it was it was very much a third party and almost like something that I had to give. Yes. Because I felt so I felt so little about myself. And I really didn't realise it. And it's taken it's taken me a really long time to come to see that that's where all that behaviour had come from. But I felt so little about who I was and I felt so fat and disgusting and 
just awful that as soon as I entered a sexual relationship with a man, it wasn't about me feeling good about myself or me enjoying sex or me having sex because I wanted to. It was almost like apolo- it was an apology. It was like, and, and validation from someone going, actually, I, I want you. So then you're going, oh, they want me, so I must be enough. Exactly. Oh, if they want me, then, then they should have me because it, what a privilege it is to yeah. be wanted. Yes. Particularly when I look like this. Like, how could anybody want me in this state? And, and then even if I didn't really want to be there, it was such a confused ideation of do I do I just have to give this yeah to you I think it's interesting because it's when I was younger I used to think I was the only one that thought the things I thought and now I by no means think everyone thinks this but I realize it's a lot more common than I thought so I now know looking back that I've never actually been fat yeah but when I was younger I really thought I was fat and I thought I wasn't good enough and I I used to be so scared of a boy touching my stomach it would actually make me feel like physically ill I was tiny when I was at school but in my head I was so fat and that fear of fatness which in of itself is ridiculous is conditioned to us so deeply and as a woman you're just told your whole life that you just need to be smaller thinner skinnier all yeah all the good things on the other side come from being fit yes. and and that is that is language that has been learnt you know that is not something that is innate within no. us it, it really is a learnt language of you know what we are as women and who we are and I've I really didn't realize how wrapped up I was in that for so long and it was incredibly frightening just looking back on all these past thoughts and feelings of a very like slim, young, normal looking girl who was so convinced she was fat and gross mm. and ugly. And even if I was bigger than my friends, it didn't mean I was any less than them. Yeah. And they certainly never looked at me and thought she's the fat friend, even though I would always have said I am the fat friend and I still feel like I will always oh, be the fat friend. hundred percent. I even... Even now, I think of myself as a lot bigger than I am. I imagine people looking at me as though I'm fat. And the other issue with this is I'm drawing a negative connotation with being fat because I'm so... I have fat phobia entrenched in me because of society. I'm not saying I think fat is bad, but I know that in the back of my head, I have a fear of fatness. Exactly. And we, we, I think you'll agree. You know, I've never looked at somebody who is bigger than I am and gone, God, she's so fat no. and gross. I'm n- I've never done that. No. I, I can quite honestly... So I would never, that never enters my head. But when I look at myself, yeah. I'm like, oh, it's awful. And I think it's taken, it's taken me so long. I was saying to Charlie that now I'm in such a good place with my body. I'm probably like, I'm bigger than I was at school. I must, and my, my body's changed so many ways. But it's only when I finally stopped giving so much of a shit about my body that I don't have this bad these thoughts but when I was younger I was saying that I used to wish that I could be and this is so sad I've never said this out loud and if my mum listened to this my sister it made me feel really bad but I used to wish that like, I wish I could get ill or have a car crash or something and I, I'm saying this because I feel like I said it to Charlie and she literally went I used to think the same thing but I'd be like if I got in a car crash and then I got hit in a way that I couldn't eat and I lost loads of weight but not in a way that I get a bad scar or maybe I used to watch programs where people were ill and they talk about getting really skinny and that's all I took away from that I'd be like oh, if I got ill be quite good because actually you just lie there and you just get really skinny I was so fixated on this idea of wanting to be thin and this is at a time when I was supposed to be doing GCSEs or growing up or whatever and I you wouldn't have known from the outside looking in that I was having these thoughts I'd never tell anyone but that inner narrative was going on all the time isn't that so frightening and what is I mean when you said that to me earlier I, I had a pang of heartbreak to think that you had ever thought that and also this really sad realization that I've definitely had those thoughts before yeah. and it's not a slant on 
morals or ethics or being PC or not being empathetic or compassionate to people that are incredibly ill and and go through that it is that absurdity of being so obsessed and realizing that the only way to get the way that you think is enough or thin enough is by something terrible happening it was never a thought of maybe if I just eat a healthy diet if I exercise or I'm going to really like put all of my energy into feeling good about my body it was how do I you know put myself in a state where I physically cannot eat yeah and that is the only way that I'll and get to was, a stage where I want to be. Exactly. And it changed that because now, I, because I think it also was that I used to think, I used to be like, God, I'm so annoyed that I don't have the willpower to be anorexic. That's another thing I used to think. But I think that's a really, I mean, it's, it's horrible. It's, and it's so jarring to hear it out loud. And I appreciate that that probably sounds so horrific. But I know all of, like, I yeah. pretty much could speak on behalf of all of my female friends. I think we've all thought yeah. or said things like it's, that before. It's awful, isn't it? But this, I think we need to kind of, like, realise that it happens to all of us because all of us are walking around carrying this huge burden. I mean, I'm, I genuinely am not anymore, and I kind of have got it until I read your poetry, which is why I think, one, it's just so astounding that you've got the confidence to, to be writing these things, but also the intelligence to be able to, like vocalize it because it kind of just drew back these memories that I'd full-on repressed like I didn't even remember that I bought those things (laughs) no but it was it's it's amazing because I think what you're doing is you're being a real voice for women and girls everywhere who we all also we have to secretly suffer it's not like you can let anyone know that you're thinking this because at the same time as having to be beautiful and thin you've also got to be really strong-willed and a career woman and woke and really everything else yeah and confident and sexy and really put together and authentic and it's like God. it's like you have to look amazing but you also have to be completely confident in the way you look so you can't like boys find it sexy when you're confident but you can only be confident if you look like this so like that whole narrative and the idea oh, it's and so confusing and exhausting yeah. and it is no wonder that so many of us have spent so long being miserable and continue to spend so long feeling so unsure about your body and who you are and i i mean i actively would never have said that i had body issues or I had a bad relationship with food or I had a bad relationship with my body until about six months ago when I started to look at all of these different things and gone that's not okay no that's not right I mean it's it seems to be perfectly normal but it's not correct and I shouldn't be so okay with the fact that you know the way that we talk about food or even even like little things such little little things like going out for a meal with girlfriends and then the way we'll all be like, oh, it's so naughty to look at the dessert menu. Oh my God, that's what? so true. Like, Eva, it's so normal, it's so funny, and it's said, you know, with no malice or bad no. intention, but that is so damaging. And if you had, you'd be like, oh, I'm so fat, I've just had... No, you're not. Yeah, and no. why, And it's also, it's that explaining thing, it's that thing of going like, I'm going to tell you before you say it. Exactly. So it's like, oh, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm really naughty, I'm having this. It's like, no, just eat it. Just eat it. We, we put so much, um, such a moral question on food, especially mm. when it comes to women, that we make everything like a question of like how good you are as a person. Yeah. Like how little you eat equates to you being like a better, more, less gluttonous, <sighs> less it's so greedy true. person. And if you think about, it's quite ritualistic as well in the way that we go about it you know, a girly sleepover or catching up with a best mate, like we're going to really pig out in secret in our bedrooms with a pizza and some chocolate and some ice cream and some wine. And because that is so disgusting that we are confined to doing that in In, our homes. 
And we do the same with sex. If you look at it, it's really, it's exactly the same. It's about women consuming. We shouldn't do that. Women shouldn't be having sex or enjoying sex. No. It shouldn't be eating food or enjoying food. We should be basic. Isn't that weird? Like you do the same thing. Women are shamed for sleeping. Like you watch um, Love Island. I haven't actually brought this up, but we'll bring it up, whatever. Megan is getting an absolute grilling for having sex. And yeah, I think she's a little bit problematic sometimes. She says things and she doesn't seem like she's that sex positive or whatever. But by the same token, she's on a show that's about trying to find the right guy or whatever. So she's allowed to sleep with whoever she wants. Exactly. Everyone's so repulsed because she's a woman who's enjoying sex. And that is just ridiculous. And we do the same thing with food. And I think we're getting over it now. Obviously, we're becoming a bit more sex positive. There's a lot of anti-slut shaming going on, which is fab. But it's still there, like, nestled in the back of your mind. It is, and, like, we're we're all still so guilty of it as well, in a sense where I think because we're so unsure of what we are or aren't allowed to socially do or mm. admit to doing, that it becomes really difficult to look at other people and be okay with their yeah. actions as well. You know, I think a lot of where the backlash on Megan has come from is from perfectly nice, lovely, smart, compassionate, intelligent women but who have been told for so long that yeah. they're not allowed to do that, that absolutely in no way in hell is she allowed to do yeah. it on national television, which, again, is sad and frustrating, and more so on the public reaction to what she looked like before and after yeah. plastic surgery. Well, this is so damaging. We were talking about this before, because this really stresses me out. But obviously these pictures of Megan being released before she was famous, uh, um, well, before she was on the show, before she had surgery, they're not on her public profile. So someone close to her or someone as a friend has leaked these photos. Now... Whatever the reason behind her getting surgery is nothing to do with us, but clearly it must be because she felt some desire to change herself, which will come from an insecurity, which has come from society. It's come from people making a woman like Megan and many other women feel like you are just not good enough and you need to change the way you look yeah. to be worthy. And then she's done that, and now she's going to come out, and God knows what she's going to feel when she's being absolutely torn apart for doing something which, frankly, is a product not it's not her doing something wrong it's a product of a society no. that tells us that we need to look like sex dolls i it, what is so like frightening about the way people have responded that to as well is as though she's done some god awful thing mm. to trap men into thinking I that know. she's beautiful like whoa, 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 whoa she was already stunning yeah she was already beautiful she clearly had an insecurity she wanted to change that and you know, that's, that is expensive and it's invasive and it's, you know, it's not an easy thing. You don't just go into no. a plastic surgeon and wake up the next day and, and look a different way. It's a it's a huge emotional process and like dedication to, to feel the need or want to do that. And bear in mind, she was a slim, white, able-bodied woman who's already very con- conventionally attractive yeah. in today's society. And if she felt the need, like she is one of the least marginalised groups of women you could yeah, ever get, like exactly. before she's even had the surgery. And if she feels that need, I watch it and I'm like, shit, maybe I should get my lips done. I'm so like, I don't ever want to do anything to myself. But it does make you question yeah, and I, your I want think, or your need. Maybe or... I need to get my lips done or maybe I could just get a bit of something done. And that's, that really scares me, to be honest. It's 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 so scary. It really like, it is so scary that that can that is acceptable for it to be a niggling thought. Mm. And if it's a niggling thought, you know, I feel very lucky in that. Whilst I'm very much still in the thick of trying to work out how I feel about myself, I'm being more I'm more confident that I'm making kinder decisions. So that can just be a niggling thought. That is not something that I would act yeah. upon. But there are so many younger girls who are a lot more vulnerable and susceptible to hearing and seeing 
that sort of like visceral Mm. how damaging will that be I think we all have a collective responsibility to be kinder to other women Women, for sure but also it's funny because how far do you draw the line because I say oh I wouldn't get surgery but then I still go to the gym and I train my body to look a certain way so that's still filling in that space I'm still doing something you know to change the way that I look to fit a paradigm of beauty that is that does take over my mind I guess I guess it's being confident with the I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me In a given month over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Attention of why you yeah. do anything. You know, it's the same same with food. It's the same with anything that you consume or do or act upon. As long as you know that the intention there is healthy, yeah. then I think don't over-examine it. An awareness of the structures exactly. that are around it. Hi guys, sorry, real quick, just wanted to interrupt your listening because I have got another time of the month customer here with me. Uh, She's called Becca and she just wanted to talk to you a little bit about how organic tampons changed her life. It has changed my life, like absolutely complete. A couple of years ago I noticed sort of my skin and my body changing. My skin was really, really dry. I was suffering with irritation down there. It was red swollen just in pain constantly i first of all panicked thinking have i got an sti do i need to go to the doctors i noticed my tampon strings were irritating me it wasn't all the time it was when i was on my period so imagine how much worse your period is when your vagina's hurting all the time ended up having to go to the doctors she thought that i had eczema i said are you sure so she gave me two um eczema creams and a special body wash to use in the shower. Used those for a couple of months, made absolutely no difference. I stumbled across time of the month on Instagram and I really liked like the Instagram page, the images, what they spoke about. It was very open, it was refreshing to read people actually talking about periods. So I thought I'd try it out. I bought them straight after my period because I'd had such a bad one. So I had to wait three weeks to use these tampons and used them and had zero irritation. Honestly, less cramps. It lasted less time. Actually took maybe two days off. It takes every month. Yeah, just, I'll never go back. I just panic buy them every month. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But you can actually set up a monthly subscription where you say, I want X amount of boxes sent to me every three weeks, four weeks. Um, And they just send them out to you, so you don't even have to think about it. Thank you so much for coming on. And hopefully you will have no more vagina problems in the future. So far. (laughs) So far, so good. No vagina problems. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag no vagina problems. (laughs) But what I thought was really interesting about um, your poetry was, was, yeah, in these stories where you're feeling like your body just wasn't yours and that you were so repulsed by it. And I just think that, what what women don't realise is that, and a, and a massive thing that I think is, it's a coming of age thing, is the sex part is realising that, oh my God, sex is for me as well. I didn't know that. Yeah. When you're younger, you literally think, oh, this okay, this is happening now. This is for him. No one tells you that your body is yours. It's magical. It's amazing. A woman's body is 
freaking insane. Think about all the things it does. I know. Every month just to kind of get you ready for life. A cisgendered woman's body, obviously. But then the fact that we tear it apart and we're so scared and we can't believe that sex is even anything to do with us, it's almost Victorian. And yet we live in such a liberal society, you'd think that we would know this stuff. But you were writing that and it made me like cry for the 16-year-old in me because I was like, God, I actually just was exactly the same. I just did not know that my body was worth anything more than whatever some guy thought it was. (laughs) Exactly, it's it's really, it's really upsetting. Like when I again, and I I really thought that maybe I just had a bad relationship with sex or with boys, or maybe it was from being bipolar. Or I could have listed off a hundred million reasons why I was behaving that way, which I'd somehow managed to justify. But never would I have given myself the grace to go. Actually, it's because you've got such an issue with your body. And you have such a lack of confidence in who you are and what is being good enough. And I, my my most life-changing <laughs> moment, I think, was I, I was about to go on a date. And my friend said, like, oh, aren't you really nervous? I was like, well, no, I've just changed this idea in my head that, you know, you have to be impressive. I was like, they have to impress me. Mm. I was like, this is very much a two-way interview. And now I've tried to take that into, you know, into the bedroom, like... This isn't just about you thinking like, whoa, she's a sex goddess, which is hysterical. I now feel like Georgia from Anger Songs and Perfect Oh, yeah. (laughs) Whoa, what a sex god. But I'm there. Yes. Hello. Like, look after me. Like, this is is only... And also realising that it's only fun when two of you are having fun. Yeah. And the other weird thing about that whole date, I completely agree, the date thing, I used to do this a lot with everyone, not just with boys, just with anyone was I would meet someone and immediately almost like vomit up things that I thought they wanted me to like to say. And I would be like spending so long trying to figure out what kind of person I needed to shift into to impress this person. That obviously they weren't going to... Because that's not helpful to amass a a person, a relationship or anything out of a a conjured up version of yourself that you created to impress them. Because that's not you. So even if they like that version of you, which for some reason as a girl you're taught like, make them like you, make them like you. So you make them like the version of you... You're never going to enjoy that. That's not about you. And you end up, I don't know if you've had this, but if you have had bad relationships or whatever, it's generally because you've tried so hard to make this person like you because they have to want you. You haven't even they, thought about you, whether or not you like them. Exactly. You you have to... Oh, my God. That That is so it, though, isn't it? I've yeah. spent a lot of time thinking about this recently. <laughs> like, how many situations did I endure as opposed to enjoy and yes. tell myself was wrapped up in, you know, this sort of sweet seduction, which actually wasn't existent it was me telling myself that I had I had to I had to feel this way I I had to be there you know if you know for the love of God somebody is showing me attention somebody is suggesting that I have worth who am I I'm not in a position to turn that away what if that never comes back again exactly it's that idea that you know it's them wanting you is all you need it's not about that's not going to make you happy it's not about you wanting them no you're just taught as a woman that to be wanted to be needed to be loved to be fancy to be found attractive is the ultimate goal and if you get that that is your worth yeah it doesn't matter whether they're treating awfully or whatever they want you I've been in a really bad like toxic relationship where I was like but he like he was awful to me but he was like obsessed with me so that I mm. I I didn't even realise he was so horrendous because he like was jealous and that I was like, Oh, that must mean I'm special and he was really controlling and I was like, That must mean that yeah, he wants he, me he so wanted- much to all to himself. That really negative idea and I'm I'm I hate to say it, but it is brought up from the idea that women are meat women are kind of like just your body. You're never really taught to have a personality or a mind or a, like, I don't know, it's 
No, and I feel like it's so great that we're having more and more of this conversation and more women are realising that that is a product of society and mm. a product of a patriarchal society and that, and that is why we are where we are, which is so horrendous. Um, but now pulling back on that and, and realising, you know, where you can take back a bit of control yeah. or... And it is, it's so hard. It really isn't easy. By no means is it you wake up one morning and you feel differently or you no. wake up one morning and you're more confident. But my, I feel as though the only way that I've really got here has been through writing it out and yeah. being so super honest with myself. Yes. Which is is, is difficult. And it, it, it's writing the book was hard. Yeah. I've, it made me very upset for a really long time and there were there are plenty of things in there that I'd absolutely never discuss with my family certainly not with my friends I'm writing them out I was like god is that was it really that bad I had no idea it was that bad I'd never I'd never given myself enough justice to feel justified in that pain and to see how damaging and awful all this like minions like tiny tiny things that yeah. really affect you but that this is what i think is so incredible because this self-introspection this growing pains i think this is how you overcome things Massively. it's making yourself uncomfortable and sitting there and just looking at it and i think this is why your poetry is so confronting not just to you but i was reading it and i was confronted with feelings and thoughts and if we bury them it just does not help but talking about the, the issue with this and the reason we find it hard is we have internalized misogyny we have internalized shame mm. so even when you're just do you ever have a thought about something yourself and you get embarrassed and it's just happening in your own head and you're sat there going and I go bright red and I think how can I be embarrassed of myself how can shame be so deeply entrenched that I can't even have a thought and what you've done if you've taken those exact thoughts and put them down on paper and that I think is one of the biggest ways to grow up is just to look at yourself objectively because we spend so long shrouding ourselves in lies and perfumes and pretty outfits and diets and lipstick and it's all hidden under there actually probably is someone that's just trying to get out and we're just told that our worth can be dressed up into something really beautiful when actually the, the real person that we are is probably some dark bits and exactly and and it, like off the back of that the idea that our pain is beautiful or it's romantic or mm. you know or that we 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 need to be saved or there will be there will come a moment where all of this clicks into place and like this glittery for all of falling in love or getting married or you know reaching that final weight or you know the way that we are told that these like awful feelings will dissipate it's have like a man fix ha- it. yeah and also have like tangible end goals yeah. that's yeah it's not it's about really confronting as you've just said what those feelings are and where they have come from and it's so hard it's so painful it you know it feels as though it's doing a lot more damage than good but as soon as it's out and you can really study it for what it is you start to realize all these different things about how you feel about yourself which are actually a lot more simple to change yeah it's it's where those feelings of yourself have made memories or made stale, horrible um, thoughts. That's what is so difficult to overcome. But the way that you feel about yourself is so much easier to start picking away at and working out. Yeah. You know, somebody once said to me, imagine if you treated yourself as though you were a little girl. 
you would you would you would do everything to protect yourself you know you would you would tell yourself that you're so stupid for not thinking that you're beautiful or you're so yeah. silly for not realizing you have worth or x y and z or for eating properly or being healthy or you know feeling valued or or fortunate you know that is the sort of thing that if you were to raise you know your own little girl that's exactly what you would teach her so why should your inner monologue be any different to yourself 100%. No one is body confident 24-7. No one always feels good about themselves. But you certainly don't need to be thinking about all the ways that you're awful to make yourself feel better. I think as a woman, you're almost taught that, like, as long as you know that you're fat and you know that you look shit and you know that, then you're being honest with yourself. But really, you don't owe it to anyone to look any sort of way or be any kind of woman. I don't really know how to explain it. No, but even when you, you know, if if you don't try and be introspective to the reason why you feel so yeah. negatively about that any body change will never make that feeling yes. go away yeah you know it is it is such an emotional thing and it's such a, a mental um aspect as opposed to a physical transformation because you know I know that like for example the beginning of this year I lost a stone and a half and hadn't realized that I'd done it now, had you told me like three years ago that I could lose a stone and a half in three months I'd be besides myself with joy yeah. I think I'm going to be staring at myself in the mirror all the time. And suddenly, having realised that I'd lost this weight, I was looking, thinking, well, now it's possible to be smaller. Now I know I can get here. How do I get rid of this bit? Oh, and now I can see what I look like with collarbones. I wonder what it looks like when I don't have thighs. And that was because I hadn't at all looked after where those thoughts and feelings come from. And it's only now where I'm starting to see, oh, okay, hang on a minute. fix myself internally yeah it's it's so much more important the really something happened to me so I competed like did like a bodybuilding show and I got the smallest I've said this so many times I feel but I got the smallest I've ever been and I was like oh my god I'm so small and then nothing's changed (laughs) all that had happened was my body composition had changed and I really I used to think my whole that was my turning point because my whole time at school I was like I need to do that, but if I was skinny, then they'd like me. And if I was skinny, I could wear this. And if I was skinny, then everything would be better and everyone would like me more. And then I got really small and I was still the same girl and my friends were the same. I didn't have any more money. I didn't have any more luck. I didn't have anything else apart from I was just a bit smaller. And then I suddenly was like, oh, fuck. Hang <laughs> That's on a done minute. absolutely nothing. But we've literally been told so much that smallness, it's really about not taking up, say, it's like being diminutive and small and actually powerless in a funny way. It's all, as you say, about the patriarchy, that that will make you happy. But I can tell you firsthand that being smaller doesn't make you feel better. What makes you feel better is knowing who you are and having the confidence to be like, actually, this is who I am. Take it or leave it, you know? You're so wonderfully articulate. Oh, really? Thank you. I think you are too. I feel like I'm in my own therapy session. I keep forgetting that there's a microphone. I was like, oh, do you know, I feel a bit better now. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, God, stop. You're too fast. I feel calm. Good. I just want to read a little bit of one of Charlie's poems. I mean, all of them are so good. I'm not just saying that. I was honestly sat there reading it and sometimes I wanted to cry. I was just so engrossed and I had to read it again. But this one is about social media kind of thing. It's called Filters. So it says... My eyes a little brighter, my teeth a little whiter, my skin a little clearer, and my hair accidentally a little greener. The contrast of exposure is not one that's clearer. The definition of a portrait is one of a heavyweight photoshopper, viscoer. I feel pretty when I'm told I am. I feel petty when it's cold as I'm a barefaced liar. Hashtag no filter, filter. This poem, to me... Well, I mean, we're both on social media. We both have a following. We definitely probably are both affected by the idea that you want to put something up, but you have 
I mean, Instagram is a visual tool. It's about how you look. And that pressure is now not just to influencers or Instagrammers or people whose jobs are online, but every single person with an Instagram account. I think the where I notice it the most is my friends that don't have a social like a big social following or, or people that don't have it as their jobs or careers yeah and uh, yeah it worries me that I'm a part of that yes and I, I never really thought that I was you know I was just shoving a filter on something because it looked pretty or it made my aesthetic fit or all of that bollocks that you don't really realize that you're you're thinking about and it is fairly divisive but also so damaging to how you look and feel about yourself suddenly it's so normal to look at a picture of you and then go how do I make that better yeah I think you're completely right when you say that it's funny I think when you use Instagram as part of your job you're quite detached I don't think I consume social media in the same way that other people do because I see it behind closed doors a lot because it's part of my work but I've stopped doing the thing where literally even a couple a week ago I asked my the guy that owns the studio that I peed out to take a picture of me but he only took like three because he doesn't know how it works (laughs) And I was we like, need 50. Yeah, need 50. and I was like, fuck, I can't ask him to take another one. And I said to him, I was like, oh, I don't like how my tummy's really wrinkly in this picture. And he's like, oh, you can just smooth that out. And I was so annoyed that I just put it up because I was like, normally what, I would never smooth anything ever. I know that people do that, but I just wouldn't do that. But I would have tried to take another picture where it didn't look like that. There's nothing wrong with it. No one said anything. I didn't also want to point it out because I think that's sometimes problematic when people are like, look at this picture, I know I've got a role. It's like, well, no, you're just adding to the yeah. problem. Just normalise it by not saying anything. So I did this one. Like, it got good engagement. Everyone's like, you look amazing. And I was like, oh my God, I'm never, ever now. I'm going to try and not take a million pictures. I'm just going to take a few and one of them will do. Because what I do and I have done is I've taken 50 photos. I'm like, oh, I want like that, but I want it better. So I'll take another 50. Like 400 photos later, I'm like, this is the one. And then like half an hour later, I'll look back at it and I'm like, oh, it's not actually that good. What the frigging hell (laughs) is that about? And then I don't, it's me looking at it though as a, as like a creator so I'm like oh my page will look better or people are going to be more interested in my fitness if my photo looks like this it's not really necessarily about me it's more about the consumer whereas when you someone who doesn't have an Instagram account like my friends will be like oh I'm really worried about how many likes it's going to get or you can't post it this time and it's weird because I was like oh my god I'm the reason that people feel this way because I'm one of the people that they're trying to get their photos like it's my job so obviously my photos yeah. are going to be slightly better quality. I'm going to have a bit more time to think about it. Because yeah. I because I need to. Because, yeah. You know this is this is how I earn a living, yeah. or this is how I put myself in a more employable position. Exactly. For X, Y, and Z. This is. But then also, is that excuse making it even worse? Yeah. You know, on yourself and on other people. Is it? Well, but you know, it's my job. Like oh, but is scrutinizing yourself to a point of making yourself look unrecognizable yeah. is that your job probably not and it's scary because I do a lot of it this is what I feel better because I'm like I always do Instagram stories and stuff because people do see me in the gym and they will like recognize me and I'm like I'm so glad that I put so many stories up without makeup on or like just sat there because at least I know that when they see me they know exactly what I look like well I've I started to get really concerned about the fact that am I catfishing myself I do that I actually do though <laughs> like, do I cat I sometimes I will look at a photo I posted a photo on Instagram two weeks ago of me I was like god I look good yeah. and I hadn't done anything to it I mean okay I hadn't done anything to it I put a VSEO filter on it just to like change the colours I was like yeah wow I can't remember the last time I looked at a photo of me where I thought that and I posted it and then suddenly all of my friends were like wow you look amazing yeah. or a friend actually texted me saying 
I can't stop staring at this picture of you and I can't work out why. Like, why do you look so different? And I was like, whoa, have I, do I not actually look like that? Yeah. Am I not justified in feeling good about the fact that I thought I looked good in this photo? And then before you know it, you've spiraled out into a place of maybe I'll just never post another photo yeah. ever again. Like, what is, who am I? The, what is real? This happened to me. I put up a photo one day when I announced my podcast so months ago and I remember thinking I looked great. And the same day, someone was doing an Instagram story and I'm in the back of it. And they were like, oh my God, so-and-so's at this event. And I watched this video and I screenshot it and sent it to all my friends and went, is this what I look like? Oh my God, I genuinely, I had, to, since that point, I had to completely readdress it. I took photos of myself, looked at myself because I was so shocked. It's just a bad angle. I was breathing. I looked, I was talking. I'm quite an anima- animated talker. So I'm quite like moving around. Your body does move and jiggle because we are like a living thing. And I was so shocked that I looked like that because I'd put up such like a posed picture I also think the other thing is you do look, you obviously do look how you look in that photo. Like if you haven't photoshopped it, that is you as well. You You can look good and bad, but you are the sum of all of those things. And actually no one looks like their best picture, but also no one looks like their worst picture because it's a moment in time. And actually when you look at your friends, like I see a bad picture of me or I'll see my friend might show me a bad picture of them. And I'm like, yeah, that is what you look like, but you don't look like that when I'm looking at you. You don't look like that all the time no, because you're a just split moving. second that a camera has caught exactly that's not, that's not you on an everyday no. basis um it's also a, not a version of you that warrants being scrutinized or being overthought but i think we've all done this i think we've got to learn our good angles and, and we've got to learn the way we look and we're so using posed bodies that we are really confused when our bodies don't look like that and i think that's so damaging i i always look at you know before i take a photo of myself and this is so horrendous to even admit um, I will go and look at another Instagram and think, how has she done that? My favourite oh, person to do this with is Iris Law. I'm just completely madly obsessed oh, with I her. Oh, I follow her. Um, and just watching the way how she'll suddenly just move her, she'll tilt her head a little bit to the left, or you know, she, her chin's just slightly up. I'm like, I want to look like that. So I will spend half an hour, half an hour of my life trying to get that head tilt down so maybe I look a little bit more like that. Yeah. What? And when we say this stuff out loud, it sounds ridiculous. It's so inane. But everyone does it. Even the people that are like the cool girl that you think is just posting those pictures and just looks like that. They have six hundreds of the same picture. Iris Law has not done that first no. time round. And I even met someone the other day at an event, and I'm not even joking, I didn't follow her. And then I went on their Instagram later, and this isn't to slate the guts, it just wasn't the same person. I just couldn't believe that that was their Instagram account. And I was like, wow, because I actually didn't, I don't want to believe that people edit their pictures that much. But also, it's the same with the Megan thing. She's not the problem. The problem is the society that's telling you that you have to look perfect all of the time in every way. Your skin has to be smooth, you need to be hairless, you've got to have no spots, your hair needs to be clean, like... All of that isn't down to that that girl or that Instagram account. We're a product of a society that's telling us that you're just simply not good enough. And until we fight back and until all of us individually go, actually, I do... Sometimes it's nice to look good. Sometimes I want to be really feminine and really beautiful and really sexy. Other times, this is just my face. And I'm sorry if you don't like it, but that's the way the world works. Egg. Exactly. It was like the latest episode of the Hilo. Were you listening when they talked about the natural beauty thing? Do you listen? Oh, no. I, have most, I, I do usually I think you're it. in that one, actually. Really? I think Pandora talks about your poems. Because <gasps> she's on the back of your book, isn't she? Yeah. Lovely Pandora. Yeah. Amazing. What a dream. Um, and, yeah, they were talking about how it's so awful. Not awful, but Alex keeps going on natural beauty, natural beauty. Men think they know what natural beauty is from FHM magazines and, like, <laughs> adverts where girls have got hashtag no filter, no makeup on, which is, like... 
you know, you do your no makeup makeup. Yeah. I've got no makeup makeup on today because I've got BB cream on and bronzer, but I could technically have no makeup on. You know, that's it. It's all this idea when actually sometimes I wake up in the morning and I look like a naked mole rat. Like yeah. my oh. hair is stuck to my I head. I love that you've said naked mole rat because that is always my reference point. <laughs> really? Always, naked mole rat or potato. Yeah, Today potato. Like potato. What, what, I guess the only way that, or the, like the smallest change that we can all make to help make that a little bit better, you know, because it is so difficult to disrupt something that is so entrenched in society yeah. and, and it's a big personal burden to feel as though you should be the one that fixes exactly. that or you should be responsible for fixing that but I think where we can make a difference is within our reaction to mm. other people and you know the Megan thing for example you know how how we all went to respond to that was was bad yeah. it wasn't nice it wasn't kind it wasn't compassionate and we're all so guilty of doing it even if we don't say it out loud you know changing that changing our reaction changing you know this idea that just because somebody is on Instagram or somebody has edited a photo a certain way or somebody looks a certain way means that they're not human yeah you know bringing back in the humanity of somebody has made a conscious choice you know every time I've put a filter on a photo isn't because I want to catfish people into thinking that I am so fit or yeah. I'm more attractive. I'm doing that because I don't feel attractive enough. Yeah. And any photo that anyone posts on Instagram, this is my favourite thing when people say, like, you're so narcissistic or whatever. I'm like, if you're posting on Instagram, you want people to see it. Otherwise, you would just print it out and put it in a drawer. <laughs> There's no one's, no one's literally taken, apart from maybe my dad, but he's a very special case, taken one photo on the actual Instagram app, who's ever taken the picture on the Instagram app and then just uploaded that, my dad, but apart from him, very small sample size. And and there's also, you know, there there are elements where there is nothing wrong with that. You know, we are curating a feed of things. We are, you know, and the term aesthetic now has a very negative connotation behind it. But before that, in an artistic sense, you know, things do, you know, if you're creating something, it has a certain aesthetic and being considered about that is is fine it's being creative but it's you know drawing that line on creativity and then almost like self-mutilation yes I think we have to realize now that Instagram has changed when it was in its conception it was just an image sharing platform you didn't like things I remember when I first had it you'd literally upload something on there to get a filter and then you put it on Facebook no (gasps) one could like it so what we need to realise is that Instagram now, everyone has a personal brand, is a curated thing. So we need to stop looking at that like it's real life and take Instagram for what it is. Again, like you say, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think we're, we've always been obsessed with beauty from since humanity's existed. We love beautiful things. We just need to stretch out the parameters of what we think is beautiful to include more diversity, whether that's body type, skin colour, gender, whatever. But we also need to realise that Instagram is on an app on your phone. Exactly. And it's never going to be representative. It is a square of something. It's not a square of reality. It is a square of constructed reality. Yes. When it comes to body image, I think, think, and growing up and learning about yourself, I think you'll find it's linked into so many parts of it. And I think as a woman, it's it's really over-exaggerated and really over-stressed. And I think it all ultimately does come down to this idea that you are... At, like fundamentally there to be ravished and enjoyed by a man and I think what we need to unpick and change is that actually you're there to be the happiest version of you that you can be you're there to spread a message that you want to spread be friends with whoever you want to be sleep with whoever you want to sleep with do whatever you want to do and then at the end of all that if you still want to wax and makeup on and put a filter on that's fine but that's not what's defining you am I right ladies <laughs> Say it louder for the people at the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
that I, I, I could not possibly add any more to that you've just sort of dug into my brain and I I literally did you do need to dig into Charlie she's got a very good brain she's actually put it down on paper for you it's 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 fantastic I would my brain now has a barcode <laughs> yeah that's pretty exciting <laughs> no but it is it is incredible and I feel like I don't know if we've talked about it enough we talked oh we have I mean you know the come on like the best way to get a sense of the book is just to like to read hop, it. hop onto amazon yes <laughs> no that's a shameless self-promotion is always so grim isn't it but it really does cover i feel so many of the things that we've spoken about in in more bite-sized chunks and i think what's so lovely about the title is the she must be mad narrative it's not exclusive to someone with a mental illness because about 10 times when we were talking before i was like it's just mad i must be mad this is mad because there's so many things for instance like when we were saying the things you think about your body or the way you look at pictures you're like this is insanity we all have these weird narratives in our mind and these inner voices that are that really are nonsensical because when you draw it out when you put it on a piece of paper you're like this makes no sense. And that is why it's so important to acknowledge those feelings and not just bury them in shame and draw them out and realise that actually no one is sane. Some people have varying degrees of sanity, but there is no one out there that is normal or sane. And if there were, they'd be really boring. Yeah, or they just simply would not exist. No. It's just not possible. No. You know, the way that our brains work and the way things manifest and, you know, how we become the people we are or how we become the women that we're supposed to be. That is... A myriad of so many different, yes. you know, tiny fleeting vignettes of your life oh. or how you've like felt about things or th- things that you've struggled with or, you know, even times where you've not necessarily been the best, most authentic version of you. Yeah. All of that has to come together in a smattering of sort of bang. Yeah. Here it all is. Here are all these things. These are why they make me who I am. And that's fine. Yes. Do you know, you just reminded me one of my most favorite quotes, which is, edit your life frequently and ruthlessly because it is your masterpiece and that was something that when I read it I was like oh it's my life oh I get it now I can be happy right that's not dictated to me by anyone else and that works for body image confidence friendships love parental relationships anything you really do have the autonomy to make those changes realizing that you are allowed to be happy is one of the most powerful things I've ever gifted myself because sometimes I think whether it's through poor mental health or through mental illness it is so easy and forgivable to forget that sometimes you don't realize that you are allowed to be happy and just because sometimes you are suffering or sometimes things are difficult doesn't mean that has to be your point of comfort no and there's, there's not one thing about you that makes you not worthy, whether you're fat, skinny, disabled, transgender, anything. If you've got mental illness, anything, none of those things mean that you are not allowed to just exist and be happy. That is, that is your right as a human and you need to be able to realise that and take it. Exactly. Bring back the humanity and humanness, please. Yes, please. No more robots, I'm scared. No. no. <laughs> hey, I can go. Go away, Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk is the reason why I feel this way. No, I'm yeah, I'm yeah, well, to be fair, probably is his fault. Makes sense. I have loved this chat. So have I. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been the best. Should I we feel, go get lunch? Yeah, I feel cleansed. I do too. I think this is something, just get your girlfriends, sit down and just say all the shit that you tell yourself every day and then just realise how ridiculous it is. I think also what has been so powerful is we have literally just met each other. Yeah. <laughs> I know. We met, what, three three hours ago? And I whirled into your apartment like, hello, I'm going to tell you my life story now. 
I've just said things out loud I've never yeah, said that out loud I've never before. said but how it's so powerful to yeah. do that and giving yourself the opportunity to just be really honest yeah because more often than not you find that other people are going through exactly the same thing and are making 100%. the same mistakes or finding the same truths yeah and it's it's such a good feeling I feel wonderful I'm I glowing I do too you are glowing you look fab <laughs> so do you oh thanks so much <laughs> okay guys thank you so much for listening you can find Charlie on Instagram at Charlie Cox one Charlie with a Y Cox with an X yes <laughs> <laughs> hashtag adulting <laughs> And you can buy her book, She Must Be Mad. Available from all good bookshops. Yes. All the bad ones. Don't sell it. That's why they're bad. Yeah. Makes sense. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.